2: This week's episode of Bushwich Breakaway is brought to you by, as always, our Patreon subscribers couldn't do without you. We seriously appreciate all the love and support we get from you guys, and honestly, it makes such a big difference to me and Greg, hosting the show, hosting the servers, and putting on the show every week. So if you want to become a Patreon subscriber today, you can go to patreon.com slash Breakaway and support us, get some stickers, join the Discord channel, give us some ideas of what to do next, get a t-shirts when they come soon, this summer, some bread t-shirts probably, we'll see, we'll see what happens. We have some ideas. Anyway, let's get to the show. Got evolving wild. The Twins today. Long conversation about future contracts in the New York Rangers, contracts in general in the NHL. And Greg and I, you know, scoot around some things too. Don't yell at me about my Chipotle take. And here we go. Bye-bye. Rather hello. Hey, Bushwick Breakfast, Fans! Welcome to another week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, I mean, our co-host, Gary Kaplan. Greg, say hello. Good news, bad news. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep.
0: So for the for the first time in literally, which is crazy to think, over a hundred and ten episodes, I don't have to wake up early tomorrow okay. because I'm working a nine to six week. That's the good news, right? The bad news. Uh, I'm still really fucking pissed off about the Kentucky fucking Derby.
2: Okay, well, cursing so so early in the podcast is is not contrib- uh, contributing to the health of what we're doing here. We want to have good vibes I don't, only. I don't on- get it. Okay,
0: I got I got to tell you, I don't give a shit.
2: I am I. That, I was
0: I wasn't as mad. I, I, I don't know the last
2: <laughs> time I was that mad at a sporting event. Like it, it legit, it fucked me up like in the head. Well, what – because I'm assuming you lost a, a good deal of cash flow on this?
0: Or? I, I lost a good deal. I lost a good deal of money. Hmm.
2: Interesting. Mm-hmm. And, I and like you got, that money back. And you got a text.
0: It was a Snapchat. Um, she's married, so I can't do anything about that. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's just – it was – it's, it's the, the euphoria of the fact that you had just won all this money. And you're fucking pumped up. And then over the span of the next 22 minutes, you slowly see that money ripped away from you and there's nothing you can do about it. Wow. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even what, cash
2: out. What, what I'm a stuck miserable in feeling, I'm, I'm assuming. You sat there in, terrible, in, in, in the, uh, the ethers of betting worlds. I fucking hate it. I love gambling on horse racing. Since we're not talking about ra- Rangers yet, and that's what we are—Rangers podcast talk all thing Rangers all the time. Your number one source for Ranger information: Bluefish Breakaway at bluefishbreakaway Follow us on Twitter. Uh, Chipotle is overrated. <laughs> I've taken shit before uh, for my Brooklyn Nine Nine take, but I just had Chipotle for the first time in maybe like I don't know, two three years. I was underwhelmed,
0: just totally. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a Chipotle guy.
2: Today has been one of the weirdest, worst—not worst, but weirdest. Days of my life. And I'm happy to be here having some normalcy of talking about how Chipotle is overrated and doing a podcast about the Rangers only. Um, Mm. Let's talk about a non-story that's sort of a story. We'll start with the sort of the headline of the week for the Rangers. Hedrick Lundquist. Maybe you've heard of him. Goalie for the New York Rangers. Pretty good goalie in general. Handsome man that most other men would call handsome. Has come out and said he does not know if he will be playing. The, his entire career with the New York Rangers. I take this story reported by NHL.com and also a Swedish newspaper, possibly. Or I, I think I saw it was like some translation that NHL.com picked it up. I take this as the Rangers might not want to re-sign a Henrik Lundqvist when he's done on his contract. And he might want to keep playing. And after that, I'm not sure if there's really anything else to the story at all.
0: No, there's... It was... As I said on Twitter, it's the definition of a non-story because nobody decides Henrik Lundquist's future in the next two years besides Henrik Lundquist because he has a full no-movement clause. So if Hank wants to go somewhere, it is 110% up to Hank. And it would have to be Hank going to management saying, here's where I want to go. So as long as he's under this contract right now, it, it doesn't mean anything. So if you want me to worry about what Henrik Lundquist is going to do after the 2020-2021 season. What's the point in that? There's a lot that can happen in two years. Hank might, decide, Hank might decide at 39 years old he's had enough. The Rangers may have traded one of Georgiev or Shest- uh, Shesterkin by then. Shesterkin. Maybe those two have become such dominant goaltenders that the Rangers don't need Henrik Lundqvist anymore. There's so many still, variables still a weird second that could to just stay happen over the next two years that it just doesn't – who. Who gives a shit is, was my reaction to that story, and it still is. It was people trying to get headlines on a day where um, there's a game six to be played.
2: Boston. And, Boston.
0: And the and Blue Jackets. Columbia. Hey, yeah. towards it's, guarantee the nobody, game seven, okay? It's, that's great. But people were looking for a storyline this morning, and they kind of sort of found one in a loose tra- translation of a Swedish report. Hank's saying that after this contract's up, he doesn't know what he wants to do. I don't think that's news. I don't. What do you want to do in, in the next two years, Ryan? What do you, like
2: Shit. two years from right <laughs> now? What do you want to do? Uh, I'd like to be living in Manhattan and have. Uh, don't please, my boss, please don't listen to me it's in this podcast. I'd like to have another job, a different one than I have now. After that, Greg, I don't really know much. And those are both pretty vague sentences.
0: Yeah. Two years is a long fucking time. Two years is another. 104 episodes of this podcast.
2: Oh, my God. I just threw up in my mouth. That Chipotle tastes <laughs> way worse the second time going down. <laughs> yeah,
0: whatever. It, it, who cares? Hank said something oh, so many that I didn't even think in the moment was news. He doesn't know what's going to happen when this contract is up. Because he's going to be 39. And he just had a really difficult season this year.
2: Yeah, I'm... Whatever. I'm I don't know. The only why thing is this that,
0: a deal? Why is this a story?
2: It probably shouldn't be a story. The only thing that it makes me curious, at least as a fan, is how hard they'll come at Hank and be like, do you want to be traded uh, before your contract is up? And we don't know I that don't think, answer. I
0: don't even think it does that.
2: Really? Because he, he released a statement. Yeah, he released a statement today saying nothing's changed. He doesn't know why
0: this was big fucking news.
2: Yeah, it's because there's no hockey going on for the Rangers and they want to drive headlines. That's really the only reason.
0: But it wasn't even the Rangers driving the headlines.
2: No, it's like it's it wasn't Larry Brooks breaking that story. No, you're it right.
0: It was the NHL.com.
2: Yeah, that's it. I, I just, I could see a situation. I could see a future where the Rangers have two goalies and they decide, hey, Hank, we love you. We've had a great run here, but we don't want to resign you for your age 39 season because of where well, we but, are. And that's not maybe, ridiculous.
0: But it might also be, the Rangers might go, Hank, we'd love, to, love for you to stay, but we can't get you more than 25 starts. So your call, whatever you want to do, man.
2: Yeah, like, also so we probably can't pay you can, the so way So many, many things want to be can paid.
0: change between now and then. Absolutely. It is stupid to try and forecast what the Rangers are going to look like at the end of 2021. It's so stupid.
2: 100% is. Uh I guess that's really it on the big time Ranger front of this week, but last week we had uh two signings happen for or three signings rather for the New York Rangers. Kravstoff has signed his ELC. He will be coming over next season. Igor Sestukin, or Ses one of those, I don't know, uh, is the phenom goalie from the KHL will be coming over to the New York Rangers and maybe playing in the AHL. Who knows? And also, and we had an emergency podcast about this I did from a parking lot, is that the Rangers traded for and signed Adam Fox, uh, which the more I think about it, the more happy I am, despite knowing that the price was at least fair and not tilted in our favor. Uh, but we've been over that on the emergency podcast. If you want to check that out, that's from last week. Do you have any follow-up thoughts On Adam Fox this week.
0: The the one that stands out is the Adam Fox signing then sent a domino effect of which Ranger defenseman is the odd man out. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, people are really comfortable saying Kevin Shattenkirk, which still kind of confuses me.
2: I don't know how how it it is Shattenkirk. Has everyone watched Rangers play the last, like, two years? I know the media in general, especially to, like, a good friend of ours, Rick Carbonello and Larry Brooks, they really get over Shattenkirk all the time. Like, they're all over him. And yeah, he's been a disappointment for what he's... what At least the hype that was built up around him. But I, I don't think he's worse than Pionk. And we're going to actually have Evolving Wild, both of them, the Twins, uh, who are Twins fans, come on the show later to talk contracts for the future. We have so many questions for them. They have an amazing contract projection system that we'll be breaking down, especially for the New York Rangers going forward. But... I can't see a world where I'd want to pay Neil Pionk, $4.5 million over the next five years. Can you, Greg?
0: No. That yeah. wasn't their prediction for him either. It,
2: was, it wasn't? I can't read. No.
0: Their prediction was a shade under $3 million over, uh each year over two years.
2: Oh, I was thinking of Tony D'Angelo. You sure were. I was. Who is someone uh, I do want to keep, but at that price tag is very interesting. But we'll talk about that with the Twins. Yeah, I don't...
0: I... I don't have a problem living in a world where Kevin Shattenkirk isn't a New York Ranger next year. Like that's, that's fine. I wouldn't be like devastated
2: um, if he wasn't, you know, like if they were like, Oh, we traded Shattenkirk to one of his teams that he can move to. I wouldn't be like, Oh no, Shatty Deuces. We have so many yeah, great like, memories. So we if, didn't if really Rangers, have anything.
0: If the Rangers turned Shattenkirk, not, I I don't want to trade Shattenkirk for draft picks. It would have to be a quote unquote hockey trade, right? Mm-hmm. You need someone that's going to help this team next year. If you're trading a Kevin Shattenkirk, but if the Rangers want to shop Shattenkirk on the trade market and get equal to close to equal value for him, go for it. I, I don't think any player on this roster outside of Mika Zibanejad should necessarily not be discussed in trade talks. At the same time, there are people saying the Rangers should buy out Kevin Shattenkirk, which is maybe the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard of in my life. What is You buy out players that are ineffective. Kevin Shattenkirk has been far from ineffective. In fact, Kevin Shattenkirk has been one of the two best Ranger defensemen over the last two years. Now, if you want to say he, his play hasn't been that great and him being one of the two best Rangers is more indicative of who the Rangers are. Yeah, play it's a low
2: bar would it be my counterpoint.
0: Sure, and that's fair. I, I don't disagree with that. At the same time, it's not Kevin Shattenkirk's fault that the New York Rangers defense has been a fucking clusterfuck each of the last two years. He no. was playing with a knee injury his first year of the deal. Deal got like cut two short. weeks, last two year, weeks
2: into his playing career, the New York Rangers, he hurt himself.
0: Yeah, and last year he was effective when in the lineup. Now, was he playing top pairing minutes? No. Should Kevin Shattenkirk be playing top pairing minutes? No. Again, it's it's just a failure to recognize what kind of player Kevin Shattenkirk is. He, like Brady Shea, is not a number one defenseman because him and Brady Shea are the best defensemen the Rangers have. Is again an ind- indication that the Rangers defense is fucking terrible. It's very but both very, those very guys bad. make up what could be a solid second pair. Yeah. It's not either of their faults that the New York Rangers were asking them to do more than they're physically capable of doing. I buying out Kevin Shatkirk is just silly. You're getting rid of one of your easily two, three, if not two, best defensemen for literally nothing. Not just nothing, but you'd have to keep paying them just for the fact of not having him on your roster. And that's that's insanity to me. If you want to trade Shattenkirk, sure. I don't think you can get better than 80 cents on the dollar. And that it is what it is. At the same time, his contract's already coming at a little bit of a hometown discount. So if you signed him for 80 cents on the dollar and then you're trading him for 80 cents on the dollar, fine, I guess. I don't know what that deal would look like. It sure would be interesting. It would make you wonder if maybe the Winnipeg Jets would want to do something like, Take Shattenkirk back for and more for Truba. I don't know. I like throwing Truba into trade rumors. You know me. It's what I do. Really,
2: you? It's just. I just Ryan.
0: I I really can't fucking believe people think Kevin Shattenkirk has been so bad that they want to cut him for nothing. To we buy it makes me think we don't watch the same things as other people.
2: To buy someone out, and like that makes that amount of money when there's other options available for buyouts, like. Guys, Brandon Smith and Mark Stahl are probably your buyout options, if anybody. Like, I can't imagine either of them wouldn't be the buy. And you don't want to buy out Shatnikirk and another player like that when you could just kind of wait it out. We're not cup contending this year. Now you might say otherwise, um, and I think well, no, I've,
0: I've been I've been clear that there's a difference between playoff contending and cup contending. Oh, I've never said the New York Rangers are going to be cup contending. We
2: may play, we may playoff contend, and if we're not playoff contending, you know what we're going to be? We're going to be a lot of fun. Like this team is going to be a lot of fun to watch, no matter what happens, which is good because I have to watch it as a person who you know hosts the show. But with Shattenkirk, I can't imagine a world where I'd be like, you know what, Shattenkirk's bad enough; we need to buy him out. I just that's the one of the dumbest like asset management's ever. Like someone would take Shattenkirk off your hand, buying him out is not an option.
0: Yeah, exactly. You make if 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 you feel like Kevin Shattenkirk has been such a drain on your team both from a playing standpoint and a salary cap standpoint because if you're the New York Rangers and you want to do all these big things this offseason like signing Panarin extending D'Angelo extending Buchnevich all just that alone will eat up all of if not more of the Rangers 18 million dollar cap space so you have to create more cap space somewhere Um, you can find trade deals that brings you back someone that can help you next year and beyond for Kevin Shattenkirk you don't need to just eat that contract it seems stupid plus i don't know what message you're trying to send to future free agents where your marquee free agent signing from two years ago who took less money to come to your team who hasn't played that poorly is the buyout candidate it seems insane and look we love carp as a human being but i i've greatest redemption story and more he's never been more off base in the evaluation of a player. And some of it is stubbornness that he doesn't want to even investigate what he thinks his opinion is. It's his opinion and that's it. Because you, tr- we've tried to ask him to take a look at the numbers beyond the playing surface, and he's like, "Nah, I'm good. So it's super frustrating when those people exist, because he's not alone. There are other Ranger fans and writers, Larry Brooks, who have decided that Kevin Shattenkirk is asshole. And it's just not true. Is Kevin Chattinger everything everyone expected him to be when he signed with the New York Rangers? No, I think you're being totally fair when you say he's underperformed your expectations. When we gave, when we did his report card, what what did we come to? Like a C plus, B minus, tops. That's not a stellar grade. Nope, it is. That's not. making the grade and being a little bit better than what we thought you were going to be when the year started. I just, it's insane that people are saying he's dead weight because he's not. Not on a team that carries Mark Stahl who at best is a sheltered third-pairing defenseman, not on a team that carries Brendan Smith. Who literally who,
2: plays offense.
0: Yeah, Brendan Smith wasn't good enough defensively, so the Rangers tried him out at forward, and it kind of sort of worked, but not to a point where you're even happy paying him more than $4 million. Not on a team where Neil Pionk, who might have been the worst defensive defenseman in the NHL last year. Full stop. And as, as much as people say that Kevin Chatkirk hasn't been the offensive force that he was supposed to be, from the defensive position, miles better than what Neil Pionk has been, who is, quote-unquote, an offensive defenseman. It's, Kevin Shattenkirk, on his worst day, is the fourth-best defenseman on the New York Rangers. It's just yeah, because the absolutely. other people on this team are fucking terrible. <laughs> so the fact that there are people out there saying he's, he's a problem, he needs to be bought out, the Rangers need to clear his salary, grow the fuck up, guys. All right? Just, I don't know what's in your head. I don't know. It, it can't be the eye test because the eye test shows Shattenkirk isn't that bad. It, it's not the advanced numbers because the advanced numbers like him more than his teammates. I don't know what the fuck the bias is, but it's there and it exists and people don't like it. And it, it confuses me. If the Rangers want to play Adam Fox to start the year, they'll have to move out a right-handed defenseman. And I think the Rangers, part of what the sell was, not just the fact that Adam Fox is – grown and born and bred a ranger fan
2: literally on twitter the rangers often in like, playing time ranger
0: which fans. the hurricanes weren't offering him so you gotta you gotta take someone out
2: but it shouldn't be kevin shatkirk should never be kevin shatkirk no i don't, I don't think, know fucking weird i don't think it will be or maybe we're wrong maybe we don't know anything but it, that- it could be but i think if
0: it is the rangers are going to do it in a trade there's no scenario where the new york if the new york rangers buy out at kevin shatkirk not only will i eat crow I will go on a rant about how fucking stupid Jeff Gordon in this front office is for at least five straight podcasts.
2: That might happen either way. Um, Let's talk about, just very quickly, the Dallas Stars. Game 7 versus the Blues is tonight, if you were listening to this on the Tuesday. Now, why couldn't the Stars just make it easy on me and win Game 6? Seriously. I I was like, oh, it's 1-1 in the second? Very nice. And then it's 4-1 right after that. I just want this first-round pick. Do you see a way if you're a Dallas stars fan where you could just be like, okay, you know what? We shouldn't sign Zuccarello. We almost got to the Western conference finals in a game seven, you know, just let him go. No big deal.
0: Uh, maybe, I mean, it's just, it
2: now I actually, have a I I
0: can see a way he's been, he's been great and all, but if he's going to ask for $7 million annually over four years, I could definitely see ways that I would walk away from that. We will be talking about his salary
2: with the, uh, with the twins coming up, but, I have a question that uh, maybe I, this wasn't clear to me when uh, about the trade itself. And I think this is something I could have looked up very easily, but I'm going to ask you, and I kind of waited for this time to ask you anyway. Let's say theoretically the Dallas Stars do win versus the Blue Jackets tonight, and the Rangers are automatically assigned the 2019 first round draft pick. If at that point in time Matt Zucchero resigns with the Dallas Stars, do we get a second one?
0: Yeah, the resigning is only tied to the 2020 pick.
2: Wow, there's no way they resign him if they win this game. There's no way.
0: I don't I don't I think there's a way. There, should they re-sign him? No. I don't know. Is Matt Zuccarello worth a first round pick? Two of them? stars? Who might be? I not well, I don't think I don't think you'd look at it as two first round picks at that point. I think you look at the first round pick you gave up to get him to get to the Western Conference Finals. That's done and over with. Now you're just weighing, do I want to make the trade of Matt Zuccarello over the next four years for another first round pick? I don't think I don't think you factor in all right, I've already given up a 2019 first for this guy, so I'm not going to give up a 2020 pick. If Matt Zuccarello makes the Dallas Stars better for the next four years than that 2020 first round pick would in the mind of management, yeah, you give it up. Sure. Because your mindset is that 2020 pick, even in a loaded draft, is still probably picking somewhere in the 25th overall range. In a loaded draft, the odds of a player being as impactful as the next four years of Matt Zuccarello, probably slim, really really low percentage that the player you take, 25th overall or anywhere between 15 and 30 really, is Matt Zuccarello. You got to think of the odds. You have Matt Zuccarello now. You can keep him and you can be really good in the window of uh, Sagan and Ben. Or you can roll the dice on a guy whose percentage of being an impactful NHL or is somewhere in the – 15% range? We would
2: love to roll that so dice. So, yeah, I,
0: I think I think if you look at it, we, we, it's something we do because we're rebuilding and we're also just fucking minor league nerds in other sports. We are. So we always see the future value of the pick. But it, I think some people forget that a lot of things have to go right for every prospect to hit. Just because you take a prospect in the first round doesn't mean that prospect is guaranteed to be really fucking good. There's a better than – there's a better percentage chance that the player the Dallas Stars would take with their 2021st will never be as good as Matt Sucarrell. And if you're the New York Rangers, you take that chance because you need as many young players as you can get your hands on. But if you're the Dallas Stars and you're in a win-now mode and you've paid $10 million plus to two different players on your roster, you kind of have to stay going all in. You can't just pull it back after one year. So, no, I don't think. The Dallas Stars really care about that 2021. They'll care if Matt Zuccarello is a guy they feel will help this team next year and beyond. They're going to care more about that than whatever they could get in 2020.
2: Fair point. Let's move on to the five star questions section before we get to our guests. We have five five star questions today. That feels like a lot. <laughs> it is. Some of them are questions, just, just statements, but let's go through them. We have uh, NYR from CPAR22. He says, best Rangers podcast around. Hey, thanks so much. That's it. That's just, that's just patting ourselves on the back. Uh, Ooh, next, That's a hard question. That was a tough one. Next season plan from the average Kahuna, who I feel like we've heard from before. Five-star question. Hey, guys, if we miss out on Panarin and Truba, which please don't let that happen. That's me inserting that there. Is it possible that they send the kids down to Hartford for play for a season? I'm a little concerned they rush some of the young guys, i.e. Howden, that the Hartford team could really use uh, could be really good on the Hartford team and the kids could develop and possibly make a playoffs in the AHL. It would increase the chance of a high pick for a very talented draft next year. Thoughts? Thanks for answering my question. So if we miss out, to so summarize, if we miss out on Panarin and Truba and we're just kind of a minor league team, would we send some of the kids down like maybe Hedl, Howden, Krastov down to the AHL? Well,
0: I think Heedle has finally graduated. I don't, I don't see a scenario where he's going back to Hartford anytime soon.
2: He said Howden, um, really, I was just naming Heedle for him or her. Yeah. How howden you could make very good arguments and
0: maybe we should have made very good arguments on this podcast last year that Howden deserved time in the AHL last year just on performance alone. He definitely seemed overmatched periodically pre-injury and post-injury. Um, so he probably could have benefited from being in the NH AHL. At the same time I it's it's the age old question of are young players better served learning in the NHL versus learning in the AHL is a prospect going to be better in the NHL. If he gets a year to dominate inferior competition, if Brett Howden or someone of that ilk goes down to Hartford and puts up a 60 point season, does that make him more likely to be successful in the NHL? I'm of the mindset that no, because, I mean, for example, we've seen Vinny Letteri score almost a half a point a game in the AHL. He struggles every time he takes the ice in the NHL. Every
2: single time. So I,
0: I, don't, think, I don't think minor league performance is going to necessarily grow into NHL elite performance. I mean, look no further. Lieber Hayek looked so much better in the NHL last year than he ever looked in the AHL. So
2: For the very limited time that he had the ability to play. Sure, sure. Field, it, was, yes. it was the
0: smallest of small samples. But still, Hayek looked like a guy completely lost in Hartford. The Rangers called him up, and he looked more than competent in the NHL against better opposition. Um, I don't think necessarily you should demote young players, especially if, if you're going to be bad. You might as well run the young guys out there to see just how much more training and more experience that they need. Like, Hito is a better hockey player because of the season he had last year. He knows what it takes to play in a full 82 game in the NHL now, and I think it's going to make him better in the long run. Just because he didn't score 50 points doesn't mean it wasn't a successful season. Um, I, I, I would say it's case by case. If Kravtsov comes over and he struggles in his first 15-plus games in the NHL and Quinn is having a hard time finding a consistent role for him in the lineup – yeah, then he should 100% go down to Hartford and get his legs under him. But I don't necessarily think it's something where if you know the Rangers aren't going to be good and if they miss out on Panarin, if they elect to try to sign Carlson, if they don't trade for Truba, it's very likely the New York Rangers are going to be bad next year. But I, I wouldn't say that they necessarily have to send the kids down. I, if, the, if the kid earns the spot, let's see if the kid can swim. And if the kid's struggling to swim then let's see what we need to do in order to get his feedback. under.
2: I think almost all the kids are going to be playing, even if we get Truba and Panarin. I just think we're going to need all hands on deck, no matter what happens. Uh,
0: it, would be, it would be stunning if the only guy I could possibly see maybe starting in the AHL next year. Um, I, I think Shester, Shesterkin is going to start in the AHL. It makes too much sense. I think there's at least a 50-50 chance Krafsov starts in the AHL. Uh, and, it, you know, it wouldn't terribly surprise me if Adam Fox starts in the AHL, but only for a short time and only if the Rangers can't find a trade partner for Kirk or Peel.
2: Agree. I think Kako Kako is, or Jack Hughes, whichever, are locked to make the team no matter what happens. No matter who gets
0: yeah, picked. it. Yeah, would, it, would it would be stunning for one of those guys not to make the team.
2: Next question. Five-star question by FBI 2.0. What happened oh boy. To, what happened to 1.0 FBI. Oh, boy. Love the uh, podcast. I didn't do it. Oh, yeah, me either. I do whatever it. Whatever you say. Love the podcast. What style defenseman should be playing with Mark Stahl next season? An offensive or a stay-at-home D partner? Anyone who can skate up and down the ice and can leave Mark Stahl back should be playing with Mark Stahl. Because Mark Stahl yeah. isn't the young man that he was once before. Uh, he still has some ability, but he's not exactly a speed demon. And you don't want Mark Stahl uh, versus another young man on a breakaway. Because let me tell you how that will go. Poorly. So uh, anyone who's young and can skate would probably but I, I kind of like the Tony D. Stahl. Uh, yeah, well, deal. at the same
0: time, young and can skate, you're technically describing Neil Pionk, and there wasn't a worse defensive <laughs> pairing in the NHL last year. Yeah. So I, it, it's, I don't want to say there's a certain prototype defenseman that needs to be playing with Mark Stahl. I, but you, one, learn from the mistakes of last year where there shouldn't be a scenario where Stahl's playing with Pionk. It, it can't exist. Stall D'Angelo worked. At the same time, I would like to find a scenario, especially if the Rangers don't add a notable defensive player outside of Adam Fox this offseason, where that guy, uh, I, I want D'Angelo to get as much ice time as possible if the Rangers aren't going to add, basically. Uh, I'm interested to see how Adam Fox would look with Mark Stahl. In theory, Adam Fox is a... He's like a a D'Angelo type. I mean, he's definitely a right-handed offensive defenseman with the ability to skate and move the offense from the blue line. That is certainly
2: true, everything you just said. Yeah, and I don't – look, Mark
0: Stahl, not a great hockey player anymore, but there's a reason why the Rangers keep giving him the A. There's a reason why the Rangers kept trying to find ice time for him last year. They value his leadership, and for as not good as Mark Stahl is now – once upon a time, Mark Stahl was really good. So, are there lessons he could teach Adam Fox in a rookie season? Probably. I I, I just it, it it would be difficult to say that pairing would be good. But again, Stahl dangelo it worked. So maybe Stahl Fox, maybe it could work. Who knows? All
2: right, uh, just not Piak. anything but P. two two For more two more statements or one one statement than a question, really. Uh, from hip hop Jorge eighty nine who writes for our website, hey George, uh, I don't know if this is an inside joke or something. I don't, I'm not getting. It, it says, can we please go back to English?
0: Oh, that's when uh, the Rangers signed Igor and Kravtsov. I just tweeted in Russian all day.
2: Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: I've been a little out of the loop. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, tweeted,
0: tweeted everything in Russian. Okay, it that... was it was a lot of fun, but it it ate up my phone better.
2: Should uh, I should probably know that you did that, but I didn't. I've been yeah. li- I've been a little busy. Um, yep. all right. Uh, and the last one here, it says, uh, amazing podcast one year anniversary coming up by Ryan's mom. Next week is mother's day. What's up?
0: That's crazy, right? That the, uh, mom cast was a year ago. Does yeah. It, it does. It It feels longer than a year. It ago, feels right? like two
2: years ago at least.
0: It's <laughs> so much has long... happened. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I, I don't know what happened. The last year has felt like it's gone by really quickly, but at the same time, it feels like it's been longer than a year for a lot of things that happened. Hundred
2: uh, percent. Our like um, what, were, what
0: were what were some of the things we were talking about? With the, we were talking about let's see, the last Ra- we were year? convinced the Rangers were going to make a big trade at the draft.
2: Absolutely, we were like, oh, there's there's big moves coming for the Rangers. They're going to move up. Yep.
0: We we were convinced the Rangers were going to extend Kevin Hayes.
2: Were we convinced? We were. I guess we were. Uh, we
0: were. We were fairly. I, I feel like we were fairly certain Kevin Hayes was part of the long term question. Or let me put it this way: we were convinced the Rangers were either going to extend him or trade him on July first.
2: We were convinced Matt Zuccarello was getting traded. That didn't change.
0: You, right, Zouk was always getting traded. I think we were curious if Mike Mika Zabinajad could ever hit his ceiling.
2: Micah. I don't think
0: we were doubtful, but we were. We were worried about the injury history. That's fair. Um, we were freaking out about who the Rangers were going to take ninth overall. Actually, did we even know the Rangers had the ninth pick at this point? We didn't.
2: We did not because it was much later. We, yeah. had, we had nothing to talk about. We had our moms on. <laughs> <laughs> are we? Are, I guess are we, the question really comes down to: Are we doing a sequel? Um, I wasn't planning on it to be
0: discussed this week. Yeah, I. I mean, I. I don't see a reason why not. It if depe- I guess it depends if you on all bombard us Angelina. and be
2: like, "Are you guys doing the mom thing again?" We'll probably do it. But
0: but here's here's the whole thing. Like I don't want to. The first mom cast the magic was perfect, yeah, just the best.
2: I don't want to take away
0: from that. I don't want to jump like, the shark. Yeah, it, look, some sequels are great, but then some sequels are also like not every sequel can be bad boys
2: too. You know what I mean? Or Rush Hour two, or Return of yeah, the Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I know part, we're
0: doing we're, the plan is to do dad cast uh, <laughs> aka we call we call my dad and i'm, I'm i don't want to do anything with your dad uh
2: if you want to hear about my dad listen to the ten dollar patreon bonus today very fun um <laughs> that'll be something oh boy uh all right let's go to our guests on that note uh and if you want to subscribe to our patreon go to You can. Become a supporting member today, and it really helps us out and supports the podcast. Love you. All right, we have the Evolving Wild Twins to come on. Uh, they do great analytic work, and we're going to have them on. Last time we had them on, we had a really long conversation. This time we're going to do contracts. A lot of good questions going on with them. So here we go. Five, four. Oh, I'm not counting down. Transition, rather. <laughs> hey, we're back. This is a long-awaited reunion with the Evolving Wild Twins. We have Josh and Luke. That's alphabetical order. So we're not playing favorites of Evolving Wild. We're gonna talk contracts with you guys, but before we get started, I have a burning question I've been dying to ask you. What do you think of the War of the Spark metagame, and is control too powerful?
1: <laughs> <laughs> we honestly have been like taking kind of a. We did the pre-release for War of the Spark, but <laughs> people yeah, are, are rolling
2: their eyes so hard right now.
1: But so you know. <laughs> we, I, I, I've been out of like constructed for a very long time. We only do limited, so like we only just draft. So like, I thought it was fun. Uh, I think the draft is, like- a, is,
2: is a prince format rather than a popper format, and bombs are very important <laughs> rather than removal. If you yeah, have, yes. if you haven't noticed, was- I've been playing a lot of MTGA <laughs> Arena, and I want to die. So,
3: oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we have. I've see, I've never done the online like the, and, and we did, we briefly did MTGO with like with some um, friends, like we we would just like get together in like a living room and like pay some money and do a draft. But I actually was on, uh, I, for a while, was on, like, this free software called Cockatrice. Cockatrice.
2: Yes, my friend. Yeah. I was there with you.
3: Yeah. Real and third shit was right like, now. Oh, yeah. And I would do the drafts on there. So you get that external link and you go to the other website. Go to the other and website, do the draft, in. bring it back, export the draft. Yeah. I've done it all, my yeah, friends. And- <laughs> 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 but I haven't done the arena stuff. I have a couple of friends who've done it. But I don't know. I, I've never been, even with, like... Um, yeah, like those games. I just I always like the I like the paper, you know, form of it. But no, we did the pre-release last weekend. Uh Luke, it was funny. This happens just like way more often than you would expect. But Luke and I I mean, it's I mean, it's too perfect. We were both two two one through three rounds. Oh, you matched and then we up. got paired. Yeah. It happens yeah. all the time. We'll both go like three oh or two one or something, and then we have to play and We have some other friends. And we're like, well, we're just gonna leave, and, you know. So we just basically draw out because we played each other so much. I yeah. just don't want to play you because it's like whatever. Yep. But yeah, it was fun. I don't know. I I thought the <laughs> the, the planeswalker stuff was a little bit like I don't know. It's yeah, I. But I, I, anyway, I, enough. I We've I got, yeah. I don't know. You of, brought it up. I yeah. have.
2: A, I I to make a joke. I'll bring Greg back into this. Greg, welcome back. <laughs>
0: This legit has to be what people hear when they have a stroke. (laughs) There's no other way to describe it.
2: I I wanted to make that joke because last time we talked about Magic and I'm uh, getting addicted again, so it's a big problem for me. But let's talk actual hockey and we can always chat uh, format-defining limited cards in the future. Um, There is a lot of questions. You guys put together this sheet. It's called the Evolving Wild Contract Projections 2019. I'll put the sheet link, uh, if I can, in the... uh, show description for today, but I wanted to ask you a few questions about how you made this sheet. On the sheet, you have sort of a projected cat hip, cap hip, and something that I thought was pretty interesting is the probability of years for the term length. So, for example, the number one player available for you is Artemi Panarin, and Panarin is projected for eight years term. That makes sense, but you have actually the probability of it happening. How did you come about those numbers?
3: Yeah, so, and I mentioned this today, um, but, uh, so we... Uh so this was kind of an evolution. It was a lot of this was based on um the work that Matt Kane had done last year. I believe he correct me if I'm wrong, Luke, but did he do this same format two years ago? I don't remember. I think last year was the first yeah. time
1: he did this specific yeah. type of projection.
3: So the way it works essentially is um other than the whole algorithm model stuff, is is the idea is that term and cap percentage, which is so we say cap percentage a lot, which is essentially just a player's the amount of money that they are paid at the time of the cap, basically, mm-hmm. and then that's the number that we actually are. We try to project to, you know, account for the varying cap, basically, the the change in salary cap. Um, but the Matt Kane did a version last year that we thought was really a really great idea because what you see is that term and cap percentage or cap hit or AV, however you want to, whatever you want to call it, are they're in, like intrinsically linked together. Um, there's a there's a relationship there and what he did last year was the same thing so we kind of took his framework but really what it is 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 the model itself the overarching like model that we refer to is actually two models so we have one model that um is a technically it's a multi-class classification um problem basically so you have eight possible outcomes uh that a player can get we so technically well in the past, you kind of have to do a little bit of wrangling, but in the past, players were paid more than eight. So the eight-year term essentially includes players who who got longer than eight-year terms, but we just basically bin that all into eight years because um, that's the max now. And you basically just predict or project what you what you uh, with various data and whatnot. I can get into that a little bit later, but um, you try to you build a model. So it's like a regression model where you're trying like trying to predict one number but instead of that you're actually um you're getting a a a series or a probability from zero to one basically the you have eight classes technically which is one through eight year terms and then each one of them for any given player you have probabilities that add up between all eight of them up to 100 and so then the one that has the highest probability is the one that you would pick in the model and so you naturally you just get each year probability for all of those which is really interesting and then the cap percentage model is is just essentially a... We are trying to... Pre- it's a regression. It's, it's not classification. It's in continuous, and we're trying to predict what the value of that contract is going to be. Um, so, yeah, I can get into it more. I mean, if, if you want me well, to yeah, touch on... I think, on what I think
1: something to kind of uh, maybe understand it a little bit more is like... So, if you... A lot of people are familiar with, like, game prediction models. Mm-hmm. So, like, you will you might see, like, Don Luce Chisholm or, like, Scott Cullen or, or Manny or, you know, people they they post their um win probabilities for today's games and that is basically a um that's a class classification problem is called it's the same idea as projecting the term except it's only a 0 or a 1 so it just projects or predicts what the probability of success is in that case so it's the, basically the same model except you're adding seven more outcomes that
3: it's predicting
1: yeah, and, and so, so yeah it's in the same same type of model it just adds a
3: a bunch more outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. We can get into a little bit more, but I'll leave it at that for now.
0: Okay. What off the bat was one of the more surprise that we'll get into the Ranger specific shortly because we have gripes and we have questions. (laughs) Um, but was (laughs) was there a a lot of people was there a specific player that even surprised you guys where you, you plug in the numbers, you take a step back and you go, whoa, really that for him?
3: Yeah, I mean, it was, and that's the other thing is it's a, it, so on top of the, the fact that you're doing, you're, you're essentially doing a multi-class, like eight class problem. You also have what, what would be called an imbalanced, um, data set, or you have imbalanced classes essentially. So by and large, um, and I can maybe pull this up, but by and large, the the highest number of contracts length i guess contract lengths that are given out is one year and then it kind of follows a i don't know what would be the trend i guess it's kind of like a poisson yeah distribution, but essentially but- you it it's you have the most contracts that are given on a given year are one year and then the next is two and the next is three and the least by far is like the seven or eight year and so that adds another level and and then the other thing is that people always focus on the top players so the top 10 players or top five players, really the players who have the highest are the ones that most people tend to look at right away. And that's what they will judge the model off of. But um, that's kind of a lot of those players are like edge cases. But for me, I guess the number one player right away that caused me a lot of problems was Justin Williams, who I've talked about is he's 37. Uh, He, I, when I first was doing the term model, I could not get the model not to give him eight years. (laughs) 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 It's like, yeah which is funny and it was it was an issue with the way that i was that that we were doing um that we were basically training the model but uh it it's it, specifically it, accounting for age yeah but. and so i had to do a couple things to get it to um essentially i had to make a different feature that said okay it was a it was ba- basically what is the max number of term that we would expect this player to get because a player I, I, i've been a few players i'm like more than three year deals. And I don't think there's been anybody over 37 who's gotten more than three years and, and maybe only like a handful who've gotten three years at 37. It's like, and you're really dealing with like a small percentage of people. So ultimately I was, a, we were able to get him down to three years, but, and I, I, I think that that's still kind of unlikely, but you kind of, sometimes with this kind of model, you have to kind of take, take um you're really focusing on the in aggregate. How are you doing? I think is more of more important than focusing on like one player. Um there were a couple of players I, I thought that were interesting, like JT Comfer for Colorado, who kept coming out with a six year deal and ultimately we have him at like a six year at I think just a little under four million. Um and which is like I you see those deals him and Brett or Kulak, who's yeah, I think it's Brent Kulak. Brett Brent, I can't remember. One of them. Um <laughs> Yeah. And then uh Yeah, Brett Brett bread, Kulak. Kulak. And then I don't know, a couple other players like, um, like Tyler Myers, I thought was an interesting one. He, we haven't projected a really high, uh, percentage. And we, I mean, it might just be because we follow a lot of Winnipeg fans and they all hate him. So it's like, you know, but he does, (laughs) he, he does kind of seem like the kind of player that a a GM would pay. Yeah. He's coming
1: in at seven years at 6.1 million. Yeah. And then, uh, I think the other one that we've gotten the most flack for is, uh, Oh, who it is it? Oh, Pugliot. Pouliot. Derek Pugliot. Derek Pugliot Canucks fans. Oh. Would you please be quiet <laughs> about Derek Pugliot? Because it's like he's coming. We have him at three million at three years. And I guess that I have learned this now is that he was basically benched the whole season or last end of the season. And, you know, he's like, oh, he's a AHL player if he gets that much money. And then it's like, but you look at him, he's twenty five. He, uh, went overall is an RFA, he went eighth overall and mm-hmm. he's got significant playing time. So it's like, it doesn't, it's, it, it's like, I'm looking at that or Josh is looking at that and it's like, well, this kind of makes sense. You know, I mean, it's like, that doesn't seem that surprising. And then people are like, oh, well, you need to build that into your model. Like, did he play the end of the season? You know? And it's just, you get a lot of that kind of feedback <laughs> where people just don't really like people really want you to fix the edge cases but it's like you you can't really account for that in a meaningful way because it's such a like okay well then how do you how do you build that in right like okay well uh if they if they didn't play 80 percent of the last half of the season's games then we're gonna mark that and then you know or not you know it's just like i i think a lot of people just um it's really hard to kind of understand uh Kind of the limitations with these things, and like how much work it is to build things like that. Because like you can add a feature or add a uh, add a predictor that's trying to help you better predict these kind of weird edge cases, but a lot of it, but that's going to be applied to the entire population or every single player you're projecting, and that ultimately can end up being worse for your model than if you just didn't include it and you let a couple of these weird players just kind of be off by a little more
3: because it'll be better for the, all of the rest of the players, you know, but, and I guess the, the last one I thought that is interesting is we have Braden point at a five-year deal um, at 8.2. So his deal is big, but I thought it was interesting, like looking at the players who we have currently predicted or projected at eight-year deals versus players who are at five or six-year deals. And, and, and to be completely honest we haven't had a lot of time to really dive into why that is like cuz i think we've been kind of focused on like just working on the model there's a lot of moving pieces it's a very exhausting process that i'm i'm kind of just want to be i'm glad that it, the final version's out and we haven't had feedback that's like this is broken so it's it's done now um but that was interesting too
0: yeah it was interesting enough where i almost thought that the model was taking into account that for a guy like Braden Point or even Jacob Truba, who I think also had a five-year term as your most predictive outcome, if the model was at all taking into account offer sheets. Because in order, I, if, if you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but even if you were to sign a restricted free agent to a seven-year offer sheet, you get graded for the AAV on a five-year deal. So I always thought, it just was interesting to me that guys like Point and Truba were pinpointed at five years. And I was almost wondering if, It was by design or if the model was accounting for the fact that, well, if a team offers one of those guys an offer sheet at that rate, that's what they would want to they would want to lock into five years.
3: Well yeah, we did that. We definitely up with that. No, I I don't know. We didn't have anything about the <laughs> offer sheet. Offer sheet in the uh in the model at all. Well, I think it, how many offer uh, sheets have sure. actually
1: happened? Yeah. It's like uh,
3: two. Well, well, I, or, I only I, know I, the,
0: it's the Great White Buffalo. I'm not expecting a single offer sheet to happen this offseason. I don't yeah. care how many times like like Elliot Friedman mentions it or Bob McKenzie. I mean, <laughs> as yeah. long as it's going to be four first round picks to give a guy north of $10 million, nobody's signing Mitch Marner to an offer sheet. It's not going to happen.
3: No. Yeah. No, yeah. it's, it's not. And I think the thing is that's interesting is that kind of goes along with also like the we've had a lot of people be like, how is Panarin going to sign an eight year deal? Because he's not going to sign with the Blue Jackets, you know, and that isn't something also that is included. Arbit- some arbitration like indicators aren't included. Um, the other thing that I, I think that people seem to have trouble with or struggle with is like, for instance, like Mitch Marner, is he going to sign a deal that's like more than Matthews or less than Matthews? Like that kind of thing where the teammates are on the team. Or like, yeah, like know. like Lidell from Dallas. Yeah.
1: Like we had him initially projected at, I think he's still making projected at more than what Klingberg has paid. Um, and that, like we had people like, oh, well, he's never going to they're never going to sign him for more money than Klingberg. It's like, yeah, well, sorry. So I, I like, think, yeah, stuff <laughs> like that, really, is, you know, yeah, we can't you can't do
3: that. You, you know? kind of have to basically I mean, I there are and I can't remember if Matt how Matt dealt with this. I think this year is very interesting because like you mentioned, there are or I guess we were talking about it, but um, there are way more or no, we haven't talked about this, but it was in our mentions. Was that there are a lot more RFAs who are going to the deadline this year? I think than who have gone to it in the past. Where those players a lot of the time are signing extensions early, I think. Um, and so, and I could be wrong about that. I haven't looked at that frequency, but that's another thing that's that's kind of interesting. So, I mean, some of the stuff is just um, like I, I luck, maybe that we're some of this is coming out. I mean, there also are some some wonky things that happen if you look at the. Um, dollar value per year length that's in the other the further right column um, the distributions there we haven't really dug into and that's kind of a I'm not quite sure the the way to do it they can kind of look a little bit strange and I, I generally think that the best way is to just like kind of ignore the really really low probability dollar amounts like we had someone ask about Panera and why is his one or two year deal like why is that so much less than every other one and while he only has a, he doesn't have between those two, the probability of him signing a one or two year deal is less than like 5% for the model. And I would guess that there's very few, if any players who have been as good as he is at his age, who are going to sign who have signed a one or two year deal in the past. So like, there's kind of weird stuff like that, that the model doesn't really know what to do with because it hasn't seen any player like that before.
2: Well, I think now's the time to go to talk about the Rangers or future Rangers or future not Rangers, rather. I guess we'll start with our, Artemi <laughs> our Panarin. Uh, he's uh, currently your number one ranked free agent, or uh, according to Price. Uh, do you believe he goes for above the eleven million and for eight years? And do, what do you think the chances are? It's with the Rangers rather than the Florida Panthers or the Chicago Blackhawks.
1: I mean, honestly, that's a that's a pretty tough. Uh, I'm giving you a tough hard question. Ones. I yep. think. I th- Yeah, well, I think, honestly, you know, we made the model. I think that he's, you know, he's not going to sign with Columbus, so he can't get eight years. So it's probably going to be like seven years. Mm -hmm. And if it's seven years, then that's going to be what? Well, we have $10.6 I think he probably, given how bare the UFA market is this offseason, I think he might get, he'll probably get over 11, um, even on like a seven-year. Um, I would imagine that both the Rangers and Panthers are probably going to go at them pretty hard given their situations. So I, I would have to imagine that there will be a bidding war there um, just because like, I mean, looking at the, you know, the next best like UFA is like, like Jeff Skinner and then like Duchenne. And Nyquist, maybe and, you know, and but then it, you get into like the Anders Lee, Pan, Pants the Eric Carlson. Stuff, what? what? me?
2: What yeah. about me, guys? Well, I'm yeah. talking forwards. Uh, okay, I'm talking
1: okay, fine, forwards. Fine. Not, not so like you know, Carlson and Gardner are are very you know uh available and you know very good. Like I imagine, but if you're looking for a forward, like the market's pretty dry. And I think in that market, Panarin, given. Just how good he is and how what his like, you know, reputation is around the league. Uh, I, I would imagine that he's going to get paid quite a bit of money. Wait, this I was talking season, about so. William
2: Carlson. I'm kidding. You're uh, talking William Carlson? I, I'm kidding. Totally. Oh, kidding. okay. Totally kidding. Sorry. Um, <laughs> okay, all right. So no, but, no, no. I, I think there's a chance. I think I agree with you where Panarin definitely goes above $11 million. Uh, I hope he is a Ranger. I think there is still a chance he's a Panther. Um, but there are some other guys on this well, list. What it, well, oh, go on.
1: Oh, I was just gonna ask. What was like the latest news with the with the Rangers signing Panarin? Because uh, I see we, you know, we follow so many Rangers fans, and I just see like, oh, Panarin this, Panarin that. It's just constant. I'm like, okay, yeah, you know. Yeah, but like what's I mean, the most recent?
0: There, no, it, it, there hasn't been any, right? Because the Blue Jackets are still playing hockey, and oh, yeah. uh, they might not be yeah. soon, though. Every, so. yeah, they they might they might not be, but um, I I it. If you ask a Ranger fan, I think half the fan base says it's an inevitability, the same way Kevin Durant is an inevitability, and then half the Ranger fan base is, for lack of a better term, uh, shitting themselves, wondering if it will or won't happen. So it, it, we're all just kind of speaking it into existence, and if it happens, we're all going to say, "I told you so." And if it doesn't happen, uh, group suicide, possibly drink, the, drink the juice. <laughs> we'll, we'll think That's about hot. it. That's uh, <laughs>
3: Are they like the the second team in terms of rumors or like what are who are the teams involved? We're I don't definitely think the, We're definitely the first
2: team. Uh, the Panthers are the second and the Blackhawks are third. I think that's where we kind of land.
0: Yeah, and the the Kings oh, for okay. some reason okay. are still lingering as well if you wanted a fourth team.
1: Okay.
2: That's where the rumors are yeah, but I yeah, I imagine you'll, yeah. you'll see
0: you'll see all sorts of meltdowns if Panarin doesn't sign with New York. It'll be a fun day on Twitter. Uh, we'll probably be adding to that fun in ways that are irresponsible for <laughs> oh, I'm ball. sure I,
1: I uh, will. I, I will not. We will not miss it. That's uh, that's uh, for sure.
0: We um. Bef- I I do want to touch on. I I was interested in the Kevin Hayes and Matt Suggarello predictions, but before too. we get into them, I think it's important we talk about the trio of restricted free agents that will probably garner the most headlines in Rangerland. Um, at first, I wanted to say the most surprising prediction you guys gave me was Anthony D'Angelo likely signing a deal north of five years or at five years. That caught me off guard. But uh, I promised to yell at you guys about Pavel Buchnevich signing a bridge deal. So I would like to yell at you guys for Pavel Buchnevich signing a bridge deal. (laughs) What the fuck are you trying to do to us, man? This is not the plan. (laughs) Dude, that's super not cool. If he signs a a two-year deal, I need you both to know that I am on the first flight to the Twin Cities. I am hunting both of you down, (laughs) and I'm going to have a stern talking with both of you. (laughs)
3: <laughs> it is it is funny i was looking at it because there are a few players who are in that um that kind of that same age range bucinevich is a little bit older uh but uh like travis sanheim is, is an is an interesting one for the flyers who really teetered on in our probabilities when i would tune it a certain way and this isn't i was just like looking at this it didn't play into my decisions really at all but that it was he was really close between a two year and a seven year deal, and it was like a one or two percentage points either way. And he ended up in this final version coming out of a two year deal. But I think it is kind of an interesting. Um, That's not the case with Bucci Nevis. Though. No, he is He's clearly been... a two year player <laughs> by our model, and I don't really know what to tell you. Just that in his situation. Worst.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: he's i think we have about 40 percent in his next like he has a
1: he has a zero percent chance of signing an eight year and a 0.8 percent chance of signing a seven yeah
3: so his next one is would be a four year at 21 percent chance um but i would say that i mean it'll be interesting to see what he actually ends up um coming out with because two years would bring him to his ufa right like that would uh 26 or no how's that yeah yeah that he yeah, would be a for that four yeah so like it would basically bring him to his ability to, and I know that you Rangers fans probably want. I mean, like, what would you, what would be the ideal, but also kind of realistic contract for him? Like the fan contract. Yeah, what would you guys like?
0: You'd be really hard-pressed to find a, uh, I mean, I don't don't want to draw the line in the sand, but uh, an analytically driven Ranger fan probably wants no less than four years. And I think we'd all be really happy with five. But I I don't okay. I think if you if you asked a Ranger fan at least the majority of the fan base how many years at least would you want for Pavel Buchnevich? it would be I, I think you'd be shocked to find less than four years a bridge deal for Buch just feels like a a worst case scenario especially when we're talking about a team that has at the the with the um, it's not like the Rangers have to be irresponsible with contracts because they have so much cap space but if you have a young player who had one of the more productive seasons and seemingly grew leaps and bounds under the new head coach. And, as he and over the, the last two coach. months,
2: like, just shot up in value, in my personal opinion. The fact that I, I would like to lock yeah. him up now for the long term instead of being like, let's pay a lot more for at two years. Because right now you have three yeah. million. Yes,
3: it, yeah, and I think that what we have right now a four year would be like four by four point two, according to like if that's what he went by, which seems like you know that'd be a good deal for the Rangers, I think. But yeah, I mean, for whatever reason, the model is is, and I could I should look this up because it is interesting. For the most part, um, there are, uh, like you would think that the um, that the two year deals, like that, you know, that that thirty or forty percent would be really high but I'm I'm just going to look at this I want to pull this because we do have there are some players that were even let's see yeah so right now we have some players like Adam Ernie or Earn E-R-N-E for Tampa has like a 77% chance of a two-year deal so Booch is, is still like lower than like a lot of the High ones you know that that are the model just thinks are absolutely gonna sign a two year deal or whatever, but so there's still a chance and twenty one percent for four years is still like a relatively good chance, but it's pretty confident in the two year deal right well, now. yeah, but it's most likely that
1: he doesn't sign a two year deal because there's yeah. a 60% chance that he signs another
3: type of deal. We're going to hope that he signs a two-year deal so our model looks better, though. That's how it works. Yeah, sorry, Ranger Sanders. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm going to hope he signs a two-year deal, too, because it's been a long time since I've been to Minneapolis, and I have some uh, – it sounds like I'm going to have some business to take care of. Uh, I just – Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I we're Ryan and I are very clear about our disdain for bridge deals. We, we just fucking hate them. All you're doing is prolonging – what will be an even more expensive contract by the time it's it's like a it, it's a safety bet on players that don't need safety bets. Do you re- do we really think Pavel Buchnevich is going to be significantly better or worse in the next two years than he is right now? Um, that that's not the guy you give a bridge deal in my mind. Too. Whereas someone like Brendan Lemieux, who is younger than Buch, has less ice time than Buch, is further away from free agency. Sure. Fine. That guy who has a limited ceiling, let's talk about a bridge deal or like I, he's, he's a perennial punching bag on the podcast. Neither of us are fans of Jimmy VC. If you want to give someone like Jimmy VC a bridge deal, it's not even a bridge deal. You're only just guaranteeing yourself two years for the guy and you can walk away at the end of that deal. But buchnevich is just it's there's no way that the contract is going to come in. low. if it's let's say he signs the four by four point two right now. I don't think if you go to him in two years after this bridge deal, if he's if he stays on the same track he is right now, there isn't a scenario where he's taking four point two million dollars on a four year deal. And I, I, it's just, it's the, it's save a buck now to spend three bucks later on bridge deals, and it's just my oh yeah, no, the definition of my hockey nightmare.
3: Yeah. And I could, I mean, like to an extent, I, I like, I agree there. I think the other thing though, is that it would pr- probably right. what, what is driving the bridge deal would be him. Right. Cause he would want to, you know, he, he could potentially make more in two years. That's why he would go for the two years right now, which is probably what's driving it. Right. Or do you think it's more on the Rangers end that they're, they're unsure of him still and they want to not commit to it?
0: It, it. See, that's like the million dollar question at the end of the day, because, Everything you hear about uh, David Quinn's relationship with Pavel Bucinevich, it's him constantly reminding Buc to always play hard. And there are times where he feels like Bucinevich's game gets distracted or falters or escapes him. Um, At the same time, every time it feels like Quinn reiterates that message, Bucinevich's play increases. And it got to a point this year where it felt like Quinn didn't have to tell him to play hard every night anymore, especially towards the end of the year when Buchnevich was arguably, arguably playing uh, the best hockey of his career. So you can see a scenario where the Rangers would maybe want to give him just a bridge deal to see if the last month of Booch is the real Booch, or if this is still going to be a mercurial winger who at times is going to disappear and frustrate a coaching staff. At the same time, I feel like, the smart play is to lock up the talented winger. Guarantee yourself a certain rate right now. Don't worry about – if you have to stay riding Booch hard, then that's the job of the coaching staff. Keep riding him. Keep keeping keep him involved. But I just I just don't see – I, I haven't read anything about, from Booch Nevich saying he would want a bridge deal or anything like that. Um, I just – if I'm the Rangers, understand that – talent is at a premium in this rebuild and you don't have very many players more talented than Pavel Buchnevich. So lock them up.
1: Yeah. I mean, you make a great, you, you drive a hard bargain there. You do. <laughs> so do me a favor, change like, the model just to make you know, me feel yeah, just better. Just for us. Like
0: goose <laughs> the numbers a little Not bit.
2: Deal.
0: Yeah. And if, if you, if All you're almost right, we'll we you there well, right now. Like <laughs>
2: Pavel Buchnevich, $20 <laughs> you're like, you're, million. Dollars.
0: I get I get an edible arrangement <laughs> vibe from you guys. You might be able to enjoy that. <laughs> All
2: right, let's let's go to the other two ah. impending free agents for the Rangers, uh, and these or re- restricted rather, and these are Tony D'Angelo and Neil Pionk. Tell me what I need to do to not sign Neil Pionk to any deal you offer me, because trade him. Yeah, well, that might be happening because we just got Adam Fox. We'll see what happens there, um, but. The the Neil Pioch deal, I, I had it here a second ago. Sorry, I'm looking. Uh, you it's, have a mess. It's, it's, I think it's like two it's a, years ago. It's, a, it's another 9, bridge 8, 9, deal. And this is when bridge deals are great. And this is still when a bridge deal is great because I don't want to sign it. So Neil Pioch, for $3 million, feels like he's stealing from me personally. Like he took my candy bar out of my hand as I was eating it. Um, <laughs> it it's not really a thing I want to talk about rather than I just want to get rid of him. The more surprising number is that you kind of have Tony D'Angelo here. At four point five million and or four point six and six years. Which I um this is a guy that was benched a lot by David Quinn and the Rangers Brass and was talked about as being a locker room pest. I can't imagine a world where they want to sign into to six years, four point six million. I might actually do that deal, uh, because Sort of the show has shown a lot of progress this year, but that feels like uh, another part of the model that hasn't Uh, Take it into – he might be a douchebag into account?
1: Maybe. (laughs) We should
0: point point out this is different than Vancouver fans yelling at you for Derek Pouliot. Anytime D'Angelo wasn't playing, it was disciplinary. It seemed more disciplinary than it did anything in relation to his game slipping. Anytime Tony D'Angelo was on the ice, you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone that says that's not a – that's a guy who shouldn't be making $4.6 million. He looked the part. He played really well. He did a lot of things. Ranger fans were impressed by this entire year. The question with someone like D'Angelo that I know your model can not account for is the distance between his left and right ear and everything that goes in goes on inside that head.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's like kind of the, you know, another important point is that like, this is only part of the puzzle, right? It's like, there are character issues and character traits of a player that are very, you know, that are important and are valued by GMs. And, you know, uh, we have no way to capture that, you know, just the classic intangibles. So this is like, you know, if, if, if the model has somebody, you know, at, at like D'Angelo at six, at six years, 4.6 million, but he just like, yeah, he's kind of an asshole or he's not, he's not coachable if you will, or coaches just don't like him. like, then the GM is going to know that and we can't account for that. So like, that's a very real thing that you can kind of like take into account in from a mental standpoint and just take the projection at its face value. And then kind of, or and then kind of adjust your expectations based on, you know, his relationship with the team and with, you know, those kind of things are, are definitely things that, like, that it, 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 you know, I guess I'm saying that our model is not obviously the end-all, be-all of this. It's like there are other things, you know, that, that go into those decisions that are very important.
3: Yeah, well, and the other thing, dude, I got I to just, you know, give a shout-out to our good Minnesota boy, Neil Pionk. I'm always cheering for the Minnesota boys <laughs> in the league. Uh, so, so, you know, get that money, Neil. <laughs>
1: Jesus.
3: Do, do the Minnesota
0: Wild need a right-handed defenseman? And can we offer you? No. N-
1: no. No, no, i sure.
0: Uh, no, <laughs> that was they don't really need row, any so yes.
3: defensemen.
1: The
0: thing well, the wild need is, is they're good. Might not be a bag. defenseman. So can we still offer him to you?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like I don't want. I don't think so. <laughs> I was going to say, though, the other thing that's interesting is like, it, yeah it can be very hard to account and there are some big misses in in certain players like for instance I I saw that I saw when I was training um, and working on the model when we were working on it that Alexander uh, Semin, right um, he kept he had a contract in uh, 2010 2011 and 2011 2012 he had he signed one- year deals both years and the, his 20 2009 2010 season he put up uh, uh what was it 84 points and then the next year signed a one-year deal and so there's something there basically like there are certain situations where they just players are not like the the stats or all of the data that we use to make the model like luke was saying it just cannot account for certain things and we we don't try to do that because a lot of that that veers into subjective territory but um i think yeah tony d'angelo is another one that was that was interesting in terms of the, the 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 contract length i thought
2: Six years—it feels like a lot, yeah. especially for a guy that kind of taken taking some shit this year uh, from all angles. Yeah, show, it does show, feel like a lot. Showed to be a good hockey player, but I don't know how much of that is true yet. And I'm not saying I want a bridge deal him because I hate bridge deals. But six years feels like a long time for Tony D. I kind of
0: yeah. ba- basically what your model spits out in terms of Neil Pionk is it sees a young 23-year-old defenseman who played a lot of minutes on a team, so it it. Projects him to your model doesn't necessarily care that Neil Pionk was bad, right? It just it sees the raw data as here's a young guy entering his first year as restricted free agency who played a ton of minutes defensively. And here's usually the path a player like that follows. Am I I picking up what you're putting down?
3: Yeah, and and I think this is a good set, uh, just a good time for me to do a, I guess, give a little bit more info about the model just in general. And like I said, we'll we'll probably have something up on Hockey Graphs to cover it. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but I do want to cover it briefly because we had a lot of questions. But the way, just the way that the model is set up, and I guess more of the data structure itself is we essentially have um, like three or four sources that are used. Overall, to then get the uh, to get the data that is then going to project a player. So we use cap friendly's data for salary contract. Uh, we use um uh we we have a separate like just uh salary cap info. Just basically, we have uh, the the uh, something that's in place to account for the salary cap change. And then we have we use the NHL um their player info from their API, and then we use all the stats that are specifically about performance are from. Uh, our site evolving evolvinghockey.com, evolving dash hockey dot com. And then those are all basically joined and the stats portion. So what we're using to value a player outside of their draft round. It's not age. really value. It's to predict yeah. what they're yeah. gonna get paid. Yeah. But that those are then we wait we take a weighted average of the player's prior three years to then determine what we what the model is then going to give that player. I mean this is pretty simple. But um, and those stats are, we kind of took them, I mean, it's, it's just the general philosophy that comes from baseball, but also in hockey too, is that um, especially contracts, generally more recent seasons are valued higher than older seasons and not valued are, well, they're weighted more. Yeah. So the model puts more, we, it, it, it performs better when, when there's more emphasis put on more recent seasons over prior season. And so we chose to use three years prior to when a contract was signed um and we used essentially a, a weighting system that was i mean it's like mars the marcel um forecasting kind of it's like the idea of you give the prior year season before a contract was signed like a weight of 5 and then the year before that a weight of 4 and the year before that a weight of 3 you can think about it in in percentages or probably like percentages too but we found that with the and i just tweeted this earlier but the term model we used to hire um it we found the model performed better when there was more emphasis placed on the most recent season so that And that could be something that is going on with D'Angelo. But I his, think that, like, what are his, the stats that are included? Yeah. So I was just going to say, so the term model currently, we use something that's, like, basically 70% is the last season, 20% is the two seasons ago, and, and 10% is the three seasons ago uh, season. Those all get weighted, like, averaged with those weights together and that one number. And we use the current features that are in the model. Um, I can just pull those up right now. But it's, it's – so for the term model, we use um, position – Uh, We kind of, it's kind of a uh, red flag word, I guess, or whatever. We, we binned age to account for the distribution of that. So there's six different tiers basically for age to try and help deal with the, um, the spread of that. Uh, And then we use contract status and um, years. Well, no, we didn't use, well, yeah, years since draft the, if they shoot left or right their draft round. And then we have a separate term. I think I mentioned this before. That's max, just essentially, is can this player get the max possible contract? So if they're Justin Williams, they can't. Essentially, that's kind of the idea. And then the stats that are used we use time on ice, um, their total time on ice, and then the percentage of their um, that they played in that season time on ice, and then goals, assists, or goals, primary assists, game score, uh, individual shots, shot attempts, or uh, individual Corsi, individual expected goals, and then giveaways, takeaways, on ice, go- uh, EV goal differential, and on ice Corsi differential. And then the the cap percentage one is similar to that. There's a couple other things that are either in or out, depending on how the model performed. So it takes a weighted average of all of those stats and that are uh, stagnant or based on like that are just your standard box score or other stats. And then their actual attributes, like their age and their position and that stuff is just a static number as well. So I think for Tony D'Angelo, he had a really good season last year. And then before that, he was still pretty good and he played some time i think and so it's like it's putting some emphasis and then also takes into account his age and his contract status and his and his position as well um so i think all of us together uh, there were probably a decent number of defensemen like him who've signed a, a six-year deal in the past so that's kind of the i think the general idea behind where he comes out at
0: yeah, I'm just really disappointed your your model didn't just look at Neil Pionk and say no and yeah. then move on to the that's next a, guy. That's going to
2: be a no from us, dude. Um, I do want to just quickly quickly touch on uh, two other former Rangers and their their future contracts before we get out of here. Uh, those being Matt Succarello and Kevin Hayes. We let Kevin Hayes go thinking he might demand a big, big payday, but here you have him at six years, 5.8. For some reason, I was thinking he would get more than that, and I, I'm curious as to your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. Kevin Hayes has been a really uh, kind of weird player. Um, he's been right on. So Josh mentioned the age tiers. He's right on the edge. So when we first did it, it thought he was 26 and now he's 27 because it, we updated it to the, it's, it's the, the age that they are is when is July for as of July 1st of this year. So he turns 27. So
3: he went from like a, we had him like an eight year. Yeah. The first model was an eight year and like he then 6 million. And then he turned plus. 27 and he dropped to a four year deal. Wow. And, uh, so yeah. And then now he's at a six year after we did the most recent updates and he turns 27 in two days. So, it, like that's one that he, so the, as you can tell essentially the age tier, which I mentioned is, is the, it, he was prior in the, I believe it was 25, 26. We have his one age bucket and then 27 through 29, I think is the other one. Um, and just changing that age, just, he just, he lost a bunch of years and money. And then, then we, we did it again and it had a little bit more of an even spread and didn't put as much emphasis on age. I don't think. And, uh, he went back up to a six year, um yeah I don't know I think that
1: that seems about right to me um from what you know he's potentially gonna get and same thing with Zuccarello his term oh and I'm like he's like always 27 in my mind I don't know why yeah he's 31 but like he's 31 and I think a, yeah like a four-year is what we haven't projected at a four-year pretty even spread like he you know um you know, I think his, his, his five year is pretty close. He's 31% chance at a four year, 28.6% chance at a five year. So either one of those could work. And that's basically coming in at like 6.2 million, which I think that sounds about right to me. Like I looked at that, I was like, yeah, that seems about right. Well, you know? I hope, yeah. I hope I Dallas feel, feels feel the like, same
2: way, where Dallas is like, yeah, that's a great price. We'll, we'd love to sign him.
1: And <laughs> it, it definitely feels
0: like Zook is the kind of player that will definitely ask for five years where teams will definitely want to give them 3 years and they eventually just settle on a 4th year.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think there there were some other comments about um older players like like him. I mean, old, but I think that there are some situations that right now the model in terms of its it's like the value the the I guess the dollar value it's giving for each of the years is maybe not really in line with what is actually what possible or like what would happen. So, there are some like caveats that i, I kind of mentioned earlier but um i i think overall i i think he looks like and he also like i i think the injury stuff is a, kind of an interesting thing this is the same thing with carlson too eric carlson we had a lot of people point out like oh you know how he's going to get way more than that you know but the model saw he's 29 i believe um and he uh and he's he was you know he missed 20 some games last year 20 games or maybe more than that i can't remember and so there the model kind of is from what we've seen is able to account for like age plus playing time compared to other players in the past who are in that similar situation. That kind of gets a good idea about where that comes in for the most part. But, you know, the model still is giving Car- Eric Carlson an eight year deal where before he was a seven year deal. But either way, I think that Zuccarello's it seemed about right.
0: Yes. Yeah, Z- Zuke's felt pretty, pretty close to what I expect. I will, I will say if there was a, one player, one forward at least, that I think is going to exceed the model's outcome. I do think it'll be Hayes. I just think it's going to be surprising if he signs for less than, definitely less than six. I'd i I'd personally be surprised if he gets less than six and a half. It just seems to be yeah, I, the way it's been trending for a while.
3: Yeah, and I, I think that's right. I think that him and Duchesne seem low to me. I think that Duchesne is probably going to get, we currently have him at a six by seven. Uh six button yeah basically six by seven i could see duchene and hayes both getting like six by i could see hayes at like six seven six by seven and maybe duchene at like six by seven five or something like that so i think there's a couple of players um that are possibly under but there's some that are probably over too and and yeah so i, I could keep going in about all the stuff that we found out when we were doing and some interesting trends but we can we can i'll say that for the write-up
2: well, I think we've covered pretty much everything we wanted to do here. I really appreciate you guys. I, oh, do we not, Gregory?
0: Only, only lasting question I have is what? What did the model say? Um, La Tortuga uh, Williams Estadio is going to get in this model?
3: You mean the greatest baseball player in the world?
1: <laughs> we,
0: we do, yes. You, know, uh, you, know a, you you guys know there's a second Estadio, right?
3: I do.
1: I'm well aware that oh, they showed it on the Mets broadcast. I saw yep. that. I think it maybe it was on the Twins when they played the Mets earlier. It, it, he's it in the was. Mets and system. I,
0: I remember it perfectly because I had the game on mute while I was watching something else, and I had this sick feeling in my stomach that they were just showing uh, La Tortuga, and I thought the Mets traded him away. And I remember turning to my friend like, if I find out we traded Estadio, oh, I'm just going to have a hard time. I'm, that's it.
3: <sighs> the best part about it, too, is his brother's name is Wilfred. It's like yes. the best. I, I honestly think that, that yeah. Williams and, Williams, And Wilfred. And Wilfred. He's the, honestly, Estudio is like the best. I mean, I you guys are well aware of it. Most MLB fans are to an extent, but it's been an absolute treat being able to watch him play this year and last year too. But I mean, it's just, and he, you know, he's been hurt a little bit now, so we haven't, he hasn't been in the lineup a lot, but yeah, I mean, just seeing he plays everywhere too. I think there's only like one position he hasn't played this year. He doesn't year. make sense um, at all. He,
2: like at all.
3: I know no, he makes no sense at all. No, it's, it was interesting. I, I was reading an article on, uh, I think it was an interview with him on, Maybe MLB.com. I can't quite remember what it was talking about because, you know, obviously one of the things that where he came, I think where people started to, I think it maybe was Jeff Sullivan, I think, on Fangraphs. He saw, he found his uh, Not anymore. player who Jeff had, Sullivan now of the TEP have been
2: raised, by the way.
3: Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I remember reading several articles about this, uh, this Braves um, – Like, he was in the Braves minor league system, and he before that, he had a bunch of time in the Venezuelan League, and I think basically he had historically low, like, strikeout and walk rates, right? And that was where it came from. And I was reading this MLB article talking about how when he was younger, he basically, uh, he used to train or play a game when he was really young with his grandpa where he would have a broomstick and his grandpa would throw bottle caps, and that was essentially where kind of his style came from, is he just was, like, did that all the time and so like that i thought that was really fascinating thinking about how he because he doesn't i think he has like two, one strikeout this year yeah and like one walk it, it's, it's like insane. almost 100 plate appearances it's the most mlb
1: shit. yeah it's like mlb these are these are mlb plate appearances and he's like yeah like 100 plate appearances one strikeout and one walk which is just nuts like it just blows my and mind that's like the same thing his whole, whole mlb yeah
3: yeah. Yeah. And Noah, he plays every position. Yeah. And they put him in every, <laughs> and anywhere. he catches. He's like a pretty good catcher, too. And he plays third. That's where he's been mainly playing, is catcher and third. That makes fun. And if, you, if, you guys,
0: if, if you guys want to complete the set, all you have to do we'll take Barrios. We'll call it a day. All right. It seems
3: <laughs> <fair>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's never going to happen. We totally not any more
0: pitchers. Uh, we, yeah. You're doing, doing fine. We on, just put in, two of them on the injured list today, and we also suck. The so Mets, I'll everyone. Take whatever you the can
2: Mets. Do. Uh, why don't you guys go ahead
0: and plug your... I mean, are your, the Mets oh.
3: pitchers ever... Oh, I was going to just say, are the Mets... Did the Pats ever not have, like, three injured starters, like, or four or five? Uh, it seems like every You know, year. there
0: was a couple weeks there where um, all our pitchers were healthy. A couple they weeks, just sucked okay. all at the same time. So, now that our pitchers are back <laughs> to being good, uh, the has stopped hitting, and two of the pitchers got hurt. So, everything... I, I got to tell you, guys, really love being a Mets fan. It was such a smart decision really fun <laughs> really
1: <great. laughs> well i mean it's better than being a, a yankees fan so or a minnesota at fan. at least really. yeah at least those things yeah yeah
0: so. uh, just just remember that i'm going to have a lot of pent-up met rage when Boch never signs this bridge deal that there's going to be a lot of met rage that comes out <laughs> when i come to minnesota yeah
3: <laughs> uh, it's funny funny it, aside i was just checking twitter and and hockey statliner he just had a spreadsheet up or whatever with some of our projections and i saw it. we just had a comment uh, that was at us, and it. it this is from someone named Condre Miller's hair, I believe. Yeah, and the okay. the the reply was, if the if the hashtag NYR are dumb enough to give Pionk two point nine million with all the bad contracts they already have on the back end, I give up. That would be an absolute disaster. So that's.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> did you yeah, go in us, there and comment on that so I would see it? <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, think uh, that's, us. That's, Rangers, us that, Ranger fans are we're
0: not big Neil Pionk guys these days, really not. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh, was that about? Oh, that was about Peon. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I swear, like the contracts, like people just go crazy about this shit. Like it's it's nuts. Like we, so Josh, I don't know people if they follow us, they probably saw Josh tweeting about Jason Zucker and Miko Rantanen on Saturday or yeah. Sunday, and it was just we did not hear the end of it. Josh really started some <laughs> just a giant shitstorm saying like, cause we have ran in at like eight years, 10
3: million. Right. Which I mean, I, so I think that that, this is just the, 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 one of the final points I wanted to make, which I don't know, maybe Luke was going to get here too, is that the model it, it's, it's not trying to value player. It's like evaluate actual performance. It's essentially trying to predict given what we know about how players are paid in the past. This is what we expect a GM to play this player like in the future, which seems like to me obvious, but I think some people um, we've run into this where they're like, why do you have him that low? He's way better. And it's like, well, we, that's what the model thinks. Like, that's what based on priors, you know, that's what you would expect someone like him to play to get paid. And Ranton is someone that he puts up, a, he's put up a ton of points, you know, and he's really young. Um, and I, I think he's a very good player, but I just tweeted something like, I think that the avalanche are going to overpay like way overpay Ranton this off season. Um, and I, then I just, I couldn't resist it cause at the Avs fans, you know, the wild and Avs thing, there's, it's still like there, I still don't like, I can't stand the avalanche and I like was like, just posted a, one of our, our em charts that was like ranting in next to Zucker and just said, Hmm. And, uh, it really did not end for like 24 <laughs> hours. We had avalanche fans in our mentions like for a long time. It was, yeah, it was just funny that this stuff really riles up fan bases
0: all I, right, I do think Ratman's going to get fucking paid. I if the numbers below, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Done.
1: yeah, 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 No, and I that's you know, like you know, just go play with Nathan McKinnon and and, and yeah. uh, Gabriel Landeskog for two straight <laughs> years, and uh, you know, be like a a pretty solid winger, yeah, and just <laughs> go points. play with them. I mean, and it's like, like it's like Chichu. It's the same thing. It comes yeah. back to Chichu and Thornton, right? Thornton, one of the greatest hockey players probably to, you know, to ever play of, uh, you know, potentially, I don't know. We don't have, but Chichu plays with them, scores like 60 goals or whatever. You know, it's the same thing. Same thing every time people talk about point totals. It's just like, you know, you put anybody with the, with, with McKinnon and and Landeskog and they're going to put up 80 points.
3: And it's like interesting how, how Colorado handles the other side of the, of that you know, of that deal. because yeah. Anyway, we're rambling. Yeah, yeah we are. So I, we'll just yeah, I, we're I am one
0: hundred and ten percent here for you guys pushing the um in is nothing more than a, a rich man's Vlad Nemestikov narrative. That's really what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I support that, it one hundred
1: percent.
2: Uh I just want to say I, before yeah, you guys go, go. Just, oh yeah. sorry. I wanted to just say recipes no, 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 I'm we're done. I'm done. We're
1: stopping this. I'm done.
2: Rest in peace to the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's been a great run.
1: That's it. Did, did they just,
2: it's two nothing. Uh, Bob just let in like a real softie. they ah,
1: He's oh, back, no, baby. Oh, no.
2: Yeah. Future you Florida
1: Panther oh, they no. Yeah. It's Charlie Coyle. It's um, Charlie Coyle's fault.
2: Why don't you guys go ahead and he's... plug your uh, everything you do with everything?
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, we are Luke and Josh. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Our, our main uh, handle is Evolving Wild. Um, We also run a website called Evolving-Hockey, and that's at Evolving-Hockey.com. We're on Twitter there, uh, Evolving Hockey at uh, Twitter. And we also have a Patreon page uh, to for you know people who want to support the website and keeping up the server costs and all the work we do. And you can find that at Patreon.com slash Evolving Hockey. Um, and then the contract projections that we put out are in a Google Sheet. They're pinned on our evolving wild Twitter handle, but I believe that they will probably be. Um, you'll probably see them somewhere, or just go to our profile and they're pinned. So we'll we'll retweet them we'll tomorrow
3: too. Uh, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Great, and then, and then we'll have an article up uh, hopefully soon. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it more on, uh, exp- explaining the contract model, just to give a little bit more info about it and point out a couple interesting things.
2: All right, awesome guys. I really appreciate you guys spending some time with us. Uh, we'll have to have you back on later in the summer if anything crazy happens with the Rangers which you probably will.
1: Sounds good. Thanks yeah. for having us. Thanks for having us. It was a great time.
2: Awesome, man. We'll talk to you guys next time. Peace out. Transition to the end.
1: Yes. Sounds good.
2: Great interview with the twins. Learned a lot. Got to be honest, a lot of surprises there. But we're here to talk about Game of Thrones. And I'm going to be a little angry. So. Well, I'll, well hold on. Do, what, do the spoiler bit I, first. I was just saying, so if you are listening now, Uh, and you don't want to hear us talk about Game of Thrones, I totally appreciate you sticking around for as long as you have, because it's been a long one today. But if you want to follow me and Greg on Twitter, you can follow me at oho Mead. That's me. And Greg tweets in Russian uh, at the Blue Shirts Break account, which is at Blue Shirts Break. Blue Shirts Break away. Blue Shirts Break, rather. Whatever. Uh, We're going to talk Game of Thrones now, so if we don't see you, we'll see you next week. But here we go. 5, 4, 3, 2, counting down again. Spoiler time. All right. That was the one of the worst episodes of television I think I've ever watched. And oh. it was painful to sit through the entire thing. I felt like the writing literally fell off a cliff. Like the guy like you know Wild, Wiley Coyote when he's like walking and all of a sudden he's like walking on air and he looks down and he's like oh I don't I'm not walking on anything anymore. He falls straight down. That's how I feel hmm. about the writing on the show. It just felt like a telenovela or like General Hospital at some points. Where like they zoom in on Danny and she's like, oh, "I have no friends." Everyone's like, "John, oh my god!" Like, uh, Danny. I don't know who got shot down harder, the dragon or Arya, uh, Arya shooting down Gendry. It was really like a brutal episode. And there's just so many moments where you go, "What?" Like Cersei just has everyone dead to rights. Danny, the dragon, and Tyrion, who she's wanted to kill. She's said on this show, I can't even count the amount of times. I would do anything to kill my dwarf brother. Like, she would go by any means. She has, like, 600 archers and scorpions looking at him who just killed a dragon and somehow penetrated boats, and she somehow got Miss Melisandre or whatever her name is, Miss Andre. and she doesn't do anything. She just kills her hostage and then is, like, bring it on? It just felt like every single person on the show went out of character in one episode. Every single arc was, like, hey, remember all those redemption arcs and... You know, the storyline arcs, yeah, fuck you, dude. They're all gone. They're all gone.
0: So, mm-hmm. with that being said,
2: yes, I will say
0: there are aspects of this week's episode I liked. I, I have uh, a this show. Two or three. Still, it it still does the whole political grappling really well. The whole. Um, the fuck should we do now conference with the map in front of all the advisors is still a really good scene. Um, yeah, here's the problem with this season. This se- The last two episodes have been so bad that it's kind of ruining the entire series for me
2: That's because brutal.
0: it's making me dislike The conclusion of certain arcs is making me like storylines from previous seasons less especially anything involving white walkers and the night king because clearly the show doesn't give a fuck about that anymore we there's no talk of them it was just like in the beginning it was like look at all these dead bodies and then the celebration is like we are alive and then it was just on to the next thing we're not doing we're not we're not going to touch anything about what the fuck just happened Brand's not going to explain anything? Nothing
2: got this, explained at all. Like, they're like, the, they like, yeah, the Night King's dead. Cool. Anyway, on to Cersei. Like, that was it. It really felt like the showrunners w- went and were like, okay, we have to finish this show with six episodes, even though this should be three seasons. And it should be 30 episodes. They're like, how can we get 30 episodes in six? Because we really want to go do Star Wars and we hate this show. Actually, we, we took, fucking hate this show. So let's... It took... It took what five seasons for Danny to cross the fucking ocean? And you like... kill Night King in three seconds, and then you go fight. You time travel to Cersei. You're a Dragonstone, and then in all right, the thing that pissed me off the most about last night's episode, obviously, is that um, well, one of Danny's dragons died to scorpions. And it's said in the post director, like the director's commentary after the episode, they're like, "Yeah, Danny actually forgot that Euron was was there, despite them saying that Euron's available like a minute before that." And also, it totally goes. I know that you don't care about this, but um, it goes through all the lore, like they talk about in the books, like hard, like scorpions don't kill dragons; they can't penetrate their sh- their their skin. They're just. They don't. The dragons don't care, like those scorpions or whatever. And I know Kybern came up with like some sick invention, but they they snipe that dragon with aim hacks, three shots, and then they miss forty in a row on on Drogon, which is absolutely yeah, also, insane.
0: again, like I don't want to be the the fucking military general here, but uh, no scouting. There's this whole thing where you can fine you you want to you want to live in fantasy land a little bit and say that the three shots are going to be super accurate and they're going to hit the dragon. Perfectly and kill Rhaegal Fine, I, I can squint through that. But then if you're Danny, dragons can do this crazy thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's called flying around the ships. Yeah. You don't have to charge at the front of the ship that has the big bow and arrow on it. Yep. Go to the back of the ship. Yep. Where there isn't a bow and arrow. It's going to take some time for those ships to turn around. And those not going to be instantaneous. They
2: can't exactly do. They're, they're not exactly like turrets where you could turn them around. Could shoot the arrows no. through the ship? Like they're gonna have to shoot through all the sails. Of them,
0: all of them need a maneuver in a in a synchronized pattern in order for each of those ships to turn around. You could take out at least half the fleet in that time with some dragon fire. Also, so
2: just gonna throw this out there. If you're going towards directly other ships, don't you think it's time to say the Dracaris word where it can literally maybe. melt any arrows that are coming towards it? Like that's yeah, that's, and that's also, a thing. But like,
0: like, like is it one of those weird things where you know you can't hit the button unless you're certain distance from the ship? It didn't make any fucking sense. And I uh I can't think of a show that has had a worse finish. They're they're not just they're not sticking the landing. They're the ship is blown up. The plane is disintegrated. And we're not even at the end of the season. I, I don't know about you, Ryan. And this goes to the point of how I'm this season is making me like previous seasons less. Yeah. I don't really I, I will watch next week's episode probably at 9 o'clock. But if something comes up where I don't, I don't think I'm
2: going to be upset. I'm flying back. I'm going to Vegas for work this Thursday. Don't be too excited for me because I'm just going to be working the whole time. But I'm flying back on Sunday, and I'm going to be landing at 8 o'clock. And I was really worried when this book, this trip first got booked where I was like, fuck. I'm going to land at eight. I'm going to have to watch game of Thrones in the car on the way home, not on a big screen. I'm going to be so worried. It's going to be the, the fifth episode. It's going to be so much going on. I actually don't care that much where yeah. uh, two of our friends already in our, our secret group today have posted, Hey, this, there's leaks out of what happens in the next two episodes. And two of them have said, who have been like fans, hardcore fans the whole time, like book readers, everything have been like, yeah, I actually read the spoilers for the last two episodes. Cause I don't care anymore. That's hard to do. Like to convince I, somebody.
0: I honestly, I had the same thought. though. I was like, "Do I want to just rip the Band-Aid off and find out right now?" I
2: want to live uh, it. In the I decided.
0: Moment. I decided against it. Yeah, but at the same time, I I don't blame anyone that has. If someone spoils the last two episodes of Game of Thrones for me, not the end of the world. I won't I actually I'll be. A,
2: oh, I won't be that mad. I really won't. I don't.
0: If someone, like if, if someone spoiled Endgame,
2: I would have flipped shit.
3: I
0: yeah, flipped yes, one hundred percent. And I just. God, I gotta see that game again. The last two episodes, I I just been so disappointing. And I can't like I I can't believe the only thing that Bran has been important for now is he got pushed out the window. Like his storyline really could have ended right there. Because everything else he's done, they they really haven't given a fuck about the mythology. And that's fine, but if you don't give a fuck about the mythology, then they shouldn't have included it in the show to begin with.
2: And we haven't even talked about can... the, the, the most heinous crime of the whole episode. Oh, boy. What do you think the most heinous crime was? You just give away your dog? Your dire wolf? You, the, that like, was weird. The sit, like, Greg, uh, you've, you've owned a dog before. Fair uh have. Uh, if you're a dog owner out there, listen, my dog's a piece of shit. He, like, pees in my kitchen all the time. He's an asshole. He's, like, a really good cuddler, and I love him to death. I've had him, like, my whole life. I can't imagine where I'd be like, hey, person that I've fought wars with, take my dog who truly loves me and only me because he'll have a better life with you or, or like, his, his habitat's more the north than you. Like, you wrote Ghost out of the show because you just – you can't just give away a dog, and if you're giving away a dog, you have to have an emotional scene where John's like, Ghost, you've been with me this whole time. A couple tears. You've been like my companion. You've been there that throughout through everything. The only person who's been there through everything with John, or person, or rather thing, rather is is Ghost. And in the books, it's like even worse. So to like just have Ghost be written off the show like that is absolutely appalling. It was brutal. Yeah.
0: And for the for the longest time, I would get annoyed with people who say, "Oh well, the books did X, Y, and Z, and the show's not doing that." I'd be like, "Well, just enjoy the show." At the same time. I actually 100% understand their, their gripe with all the direwolves because, again, the direwolves, if this is how the arc is concluding for the direwolves, those animals didn't serve a purpose in the show. They did. Again. And so we can – we can things that the last – if the series ends the way it's supposed to it, – it looks like it's going to end, things that we spent a lot of time talking about that aren't going to matter, uh, the Night King and the White Walkers. At all. Uh, the three-eyed raven. Yep. Uh, br- anything brand post window. I would say anything brand post. Fake kids burnt at the stake by Theon. Um,
2: okay, that's fair because Brand hasn't done anything since he's revealed. And he's, he's helped reveal no John's, he John's heritage, which could be found in a book. There you go. And it was found in a book. Like yeah. Sam is.
0: So ba- anything basically sense. brand post post theon burning kids at the stake. Yep. Um What else? What else? What else am I forgetting here? Anything I guess Dothraki? Who somehow um, but, by the way, but there's some left. How did some of them survive? I don't know.
2: And and who Were, where they, was this army? Did they hold back the cavalry charge was was it only half the Dothraki that cavalry charge? Where was this whole army that they still have last week? Like they, like it was just Jamie and Brienne against the wall, who ended up banging. By the way, in a really weird thing, and the Jamie was like, actually I'd kill anybody for Cersei. Peace out, deuces. Um, and there was just them fighting, and then all of a sudden they still have an army. Like wh- I'm very confused. I'm so confused.
0: Yeah, I, I really don't get why Cersei just didn't like open fire on the sixteen unsullied. I get that, that were you have to Worm. End,
2: end this show, right? Like the actors are tired of it, I guess. The showrunners are 100% tired of it. I think if there's a reason some shows like the West Wing and other other shows that go really long, like they get different showrunners, these showrunners, and this might be controversial, but it sounds like they don't give a shit. And it certainly sounds like that in the post game, like the, the post game, whatever, the director's commentary. It just seems oh like God. they don't. I, if they
0: mispronounced one more fucking name, I was going to lose my goddamn mind. It, it
2: sounds I like just... they don't care at all.
0: Oh, it's it's a couple things, right? I think one of them is, first of all, Game of Thrones isn't the first show that hasn't stuck the landing, right? Lost kind Lost. of got off yeah. the rails towards the end. Uh, the Wire's fifth season Sopranos. was super clumsy. Um, I, I still like the Sopranos ending. I think it's actually aged impeccably. Because it um, at least invokes questions. Yeah, it, but like the office post Michael Scott, yeah, you, you really got to grit your teeth to get through that. Uh, it's it's not the first beloved show to fuck up its last season. so i I, I don't want to act like we're spoiled children saying that you know our our hamburger was cooked medium instead of medium rare. But at the same time, if the last two episodes have taught me anything, and if I go further back than that because i I forgave a lot of the frustrations with the final season, the season before this, because I thought we were just, Getting a means to an end that we had to get to a little quicker. Agreed. That's fine. Um, But if the last two seasons of this show have taught me anything, it's that Weiss and Benioff are great when they're given material and bad when they have to make the material.
2: Actively bad. Like just
0: categorically bad. And they are. If if they have if someone has a vision, Weiss and Benioff will do everything they can to perfect that vision. But if they have to create the vision themselves, they can't, they just can't do it.
2: I don't want this to be my ending take, but this is where I feel like I'll end on this. If this was, if the last two episodes really do nothing for me, which I really feel like at this point, I don't know what they could do to redeem themselves. I would almost rather them have ended the show in season six with winds of winter. And just like the books, We'll never get an ending, and I'll always have to worry. Like it would just be more fun, which sounds insane. I don't even want the ending anymore. I, I just—it was good up till then, and then it was actively bad. And every single character, as far as I'm concerned, has been pretty much ruined, with the exception of like Arya. That's it. Everyone else is like um, totally ruined. I, I kind
0: of like she's not my favorite in the show, but at least Sansa has.
2: Stayed consistent. Sansa has at least become what we always thought she would be. If if everything right, her arc her arc completion
0: makes sense. Makes sense.
2: She becomes Catelyn Stark with more power.
0: Danny's arc completion is going to make sense. I just don't love how we got to the ending. John's arc
2: makes no sense. He spent forever north of the wall, and Arya killed the Night King. He didn't even fight him. But John did put everyone like.
0: John rallied the troops and brought Arya home, or like helped Arya. He he laid out the vision, and Arya again completed it. So I, I I don't. I'm not angry about John's arc. It just, you know, I wish he wasn't such a baby back bitch sometimes because it sure feels like he's a bitch. Um,
2: Outside of them, I don't. Cersei, I, Cersei. I'm rooting for Cersei actively. I want her to win so bad. That's where yeah, I'm at Tyr- right now.
0: Tyrion. They ruined Tyrion. Has Become like a, a I'm joke. trying to think of a sporting equivalent. I'm trying to think of a sporting equivalent for Tyrion. Um,
2: Who's a player that just fell off the face of the planet? Like was an absolute all star for six years and then just fell right off the face of the planet because that's what they did. I, with I, if you want to go,
0: I mean, if you want to go deep cut,
2: <laughs> don't do this. I <laughs> mean, even
0: holes had somewhat of a decline, but the decline came sharply. Dale Murphy won 2 MVPs and then couldn't play baseball anymore. That's kind of um, where we're at with Tyrion it,
2: because he did 6 seasons yeah. of being awesome. Just a great character, a lot of in-depth like lines and amazing acting scenes, uh the trials, etc. And then they were like, okay, let's make him make six or seven bad decisions. Take away all of his character, and then just sit and watch Braun punch him in the face. I don't know how Braun got in there. It's one of the dumbest scenes of all time. I'm just so miserable about this show. And I want to say that when, when the third episode ended, I was the person that was standing it. I was like, "Hey, that was a good episode. I had a really enjoyable time watching it." This episode was painful, start to finish, the entirety of it. And I'm
0: the celebra- the celebration really. I, it, it got to a point where I think I
2: said I said it out loud. I was like, "All right,
0: we get it. Everybody's fucking. I'm happy pod got his threesome. that guy crushed pod
2: threesome but, is the good the only like the only good part about that episode. It's truly awful, otherwise.
0: Ugh. yeah, I, I just can't believe we had that really interesting fired fireside chat at the end of episode two. And they're like, remember that? None of it mattered.
2: Episode We're two was so
0: good. Done with that. I, re- I, I
2: really, and I think part of the reason I liked episode two so much is because it felt like old thrones. It felt like it was setting up so much, and it set up nothing.
0: Didn't set up anything. Set up it mean, set up nothing. Literally nothing. What did? What in hindsight did that set up? It set up maybe Jamie, and Jamie, bang, and Brienne. Bang and Brienne. But Brienne. Even that's then. it.
2: Yeah. Everything else, nothing. That, that's about it. God, it dude. set up nothing. That is so bad. And now, and now we've probably seen the last of Brienne.
0: That's it. You don't think she's gonna? I don't know about that. You I think, think she's, she's
2: following Jamie down? She has, yeah, she swore to protect Sansa. Make a trip south. Uh, okay.
0: Yeah, but I, I don't think Sansa's gonna. I don't think she's chilling in. Uh, I don't think she's chilling in Winterfell. All right, we'll see. I think there's got to be some kind of big Stark v. Targaryen v. Lannister. Ending. Also, what the fuck was with the whole? Hey, by the way, you know there's a new prince in Dorne.
2: What? Yeah, what's up with we that? We care about Dorn again? Yeah, well, Dorn what was do useless mean? too, by the way. And Bronn and, and Jamie, by the way, have a deep relationship. And all of a sudden, Bronn's just like, Bronn is cool with both those guys. And he's shown it. Like, he's risked his life for more than money for Jamie too. And then all of a sudden, he's like, Yeah, listen, I want Highgarden. Okay, I'll kill you. All right? <laughs> like, what?
0: Ugh. So stupid. A lot of issues. A lot of issues. I'm I'm looking forward to the show being over. I don't know about you. I really don't have an interest in watching the like. I'm not going to pay attention to the prequels or whatever. Uh, the, the spinoffs.
2: I, it depends. Uh, I think it depends. I will I will see what happens. I'm 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 interested in two things. I'm interested to see how they execute it and landing. Uh, because it is going to be different directors. It could be fresh a fresh look on things. Uh, and I do like the whole story itself, so I might check in on that. And the other thing I'm interested in is the Amazon Lord of the Rings show. So there you go. I'll be I'll be checking in on that when that happens.
0: Yeah. Uh, At this point, the only thing I'm watching Thrones for is more Chernobyl trailers because I'm really all in on that show. It starts tonight, I think.
2: I had no idea. Um. All right. We're out of here. Till next week. See you. Love you. Bye.